the most radical thing we can do is connect people to one another. The most radical thing we can do is connect people to one another. That starts a conversation toward a vision for change. I take this as my text this morning from Rosabeth Moss Cantor. Uh, she is a sociologist and business consultant who in particular talks about uh, management and change and culture in corporations. But her early studies focused on uh, communities, utopias even. And so she brings that sense of what creates connection and strength between people in any context into uh, a long-term, uh, a long culture and uh, uh, career in advising and is still, she's been going strong for decades and still comes back to uh, Twitter and advising and consulting and mentoring. The most radical thing we can do is connect people one to another. That starts a conversation toward a vision for change. Now, sometimes I've heard this as the most radical thing we can do is introduce people to one another. Amen. I like that one as well. But I want to spend a little bit moment on the radical part. Because I think radical, I think sometimes gets a bad rap in our social conversations. And in fact, might be a little bit overused. So let's spend a moment. Uh, because radical, I think, has often had the uh, connection to being a, a real, a profound change. It's a real flipping of the tables, if you will. It's shifting everything all at once. But my interest in this moment, my interest is in the other meaning uh, that's commonly is radical as the root, the core, uh, the premise, where things kind of begin from. So for me, the heart of a conversation is what is the deepest need? What is the, the foundation? Because looking at that, the root of something, where we come from, that exercise by itself often is part of the path to change. To remember to ask, what are we really doing here? Why are we here? And that question alone reminds us of our aspirations, particularly as a religious community, but also simply as human beings. The most radical thing we can do the most profound foundational act among us is to connect. And so I'm wondering, I want to offer in this moment, when has a meeting, when has a connection really changed your life? And largely I'm talking about for the better, but sometimes, but also in unexpected ways. You can do that on the very microcosm of things, you know, the individual relationship. I remember when um, uh, my spouse and I met, I was entirely in my first ministry in Alabama, didn't know a soul, wandered, uh, agreed to be part of the installation of a colleague at the biggest congregation we have in Atlanta, walked into that building not knowing a soul. And there we were lined up as ministers and robes and stoles to process into this installation. 
And we got to comparing stoles, you know, hey, what's yours like? What's mine like? Where did it come from? And there was the meet cute that now ended up, you know, getting married, which is great. There we go. But that's the individual. On the grander scale, uh, in college, I had the opportunity to attend the march in Washington, D.C. Uh, that was there for the right to choose. I think this was 1994 or so. And in that moment, in that moment, I got to experience what it meant to be amongst a million people. A million people, you know, with an M, like the million people, spread out across the mall in Washington. And to do so in person, not simply in photos, which also is pretty powerful, I will say, but to have the embodied experience of being around that many people. And from that, I got to have the sense of the, the vastness of humanity, the vastness of the moment, and had a chance a year, about a year or so after, a year plus later, to return to the mall in Washington, D.C., so I could see, my friends and I could see the AIDS quilt in its entirety for the last time in 1995. A whole other way of understanding the vastness. In this case, the vastness of love and sorrow mixed together. When has a connection changed your life? led to greater comprehension on any scale? When has simply being introduced been a profound shift that about the core of who you are as a person or about the core of a community or your family or connection? I recognize that we are in, as human beings, a constant journey in this effort to connect. And of course, with it, doesn't just bring like the wonderful things, but also the struggling pieces, the parts of life that are hard. And in that, I recognize that part of what we also do as humans is learn to protect ourselves from being wounded, uh, from the experience of being harmed when we have tried to reach out and tried to simply be part of wherever we are. Brene Brown talks about this. Uh, as children, she says, we found ways to protect ourselves from vulnerability, from being hurt or diminished or disappointed. We put on armor. We used our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors as weapons. We learned to make ourselves scarce even disappear. And now as adults, we realize that to live with courage and purpose and connection, to be the person whom we long to be, we must again be vulnerable. We must take off the armor, put down the weapons, show up and let ourselves be seen. We must let ourselves be seen. But it takes practice, it takes time, it doesn't happen all at once, as I know that we all know in each and our own way. One of the ways that I think this uh, armor, this protection can appear, can manifest in our lives, uh, can be more focused on the doing rather than the being. Like, 
how many of us, you know, kind of really like to focus on, I know how to get a laundry list done, but don't ask, but, but I'm not really going to send over here and do silent meditation all that often. Or how can I simply be one with myself, right? Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh points this out, that we are very good at appearing to live, at preparing to live, he says, but not very good at living. We know how to sacrifice 10 years for a diploma, and we are willing to work very hard to get a job, a car, a house, and so on. But we have difficulty remembering that we are alive in the present moment, the only moment there is for us to be alive. We have difficulty remembering that we are alive in the present moment, the only moment there is for us to be alive. As human beings, we are so good at doing. So good at doing. I think part of the core of the question of connection in this, the most radical thing we can do, is how well we are at being. I think the opportunity, the, the other way of understanding the quote from, uh, from Cantor is the most radical thing we can do is introduce each other, is to offer an invitation. And I like this idea of the possibility of an invitation because to me, as I thought about this, invitation is this merging of doing and being. We extend and wait and are present to each other. In Girl Scouts is a good example of the doing and the being, um, all about the connection and the power therein. Now, I'm going to say Girl Scouts, like any human institution, is uh, certainly full of its own social navigation and awkwardness and bullying and all the things that go along with humans trying to figure out each other. I mean, I remember that I was there. You know, summer camp can be a little socially weird. And it can be sometimes one of those places where we learn social protection, and that's true of any situation. But also, but also the spirit of invitation, as manifest in its origin and as I think showing up uh, as we're recognizing we're just a month out from the 100th anniversary of this congregation officially saying, yes, uh, Girl Scouts are here. There is something so wonderful and profound and hopeful about extending that invitation again and again and again. You know, Girl Scouts is a product of its time as we've been navigating uh, through generations at this point. You know, in the past, it was about home economics. It was about creating the model young woman. But it has been evolving. We have been learning how to connect one with each other. Um, scouting as my mother do, knew it is different than my experience, and my daughter has her own experience in this generation. It's about uh, a lot of different aspects of life. It was how I was able, for, for me, Girl Scouts is, uh, was about the opportunity to observe surgery in my local veterinarian's offices right? As well as the camping, as well as the cooking, as well as the friendship, and so on. 
It is full of high expectations to be challenging us and holding us forward to say, how can we keep connecting one with each other to become more fully human, to be serving others, to extend compassion, to meet and seek equality? Those ideals alone are at the radical root here of connection. Was that song from summer camp? You know, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other gold, right? That's one of the strongest songs I have in my association with scouts. And now, and now scouting continues to evolve in its commitment uh, now to diversity, equity, and inclusion, racial justice that has been reaffirmed and strengthened after George Floyd's murder in 2020. But it's also as, uh, as a body welcoming and expanding, uh, including the range of gender experience as we've been evolving in human uh, society. From the Girl Scout website, they say, if the child is recognized by the family and school and community as a girl and lives culturally as a girl, then Girl Scouts is an organization that can serve her in a setting that is both emotionally and physically safe. Talk about radical in this moment, yes? Girl Scouts is an organization that can serve her in a setting that is both emotionally and physically safe. The most radical thing we can do is connect and introduce. And from there, we keep expanding our vision. As part of the core of our purpose from author Kurt Vonnegut, he says, what should young people do with their lives today? Many things, obviously, but the most daring thing, the most daring thing is to create, a sta to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. The most daring thing is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. I think Vonnegut's thought pairs well with that radical thing of connection, yes? This radical invitation into yet another practice of love, in fact. If you were present for last week's service, we included an exploration of the nature of love from African-American author Bell Hooks, who talked about love as the extension of the self for the sake of the other. The extension of the self for the sake of the other and how that is at the heart of human longing. Even when we see and the practice of love fail again and again. This desire for connection is so compelling, even when we are scared, even when we've been harmed. And yet we keep wanting and hoping and practicing. Love itself is a practice, practice is risk. It is getting to that sense of risk so that we might enlarge ourselves, hope for another, care for the other as well as our own hearts. You know, this month, this weekend, in fact, is the third anniversary of when the world shut down in response to the pandemic. I know there's a range of mixed feelings about that. Year one was survival. 
Year two was kind of impossible with vaccinations and politics and economics and social questions. And now year three. Year three is learning how to do community again, how to do church again, even while living with um, the social and individual ripples and scars and, and deaths and changes in priorities. That radical thing that's been going on has been going on by people saying, what is truly important to me and how shall I live in this moment? And the pandemic was the absolute um, overwhelming context in which we did this as individuals and as a society and as a world. We are discovering again. This is why I wanted to get back to this radical thing, this root, this foundation, because we are in this process of discovery. And it's still present, this work. I was noticing the last few weeks how I've actually had more conversations in recent weeks about uh, bringing out yet again how challenging it was to start this ministry. Um, in August 2020, my coming to the congregation, us being here together and figuring it out. Um, Facebook memories, for example, kind of brought this out recently uh, with a photo I had taken of the whole front of the congregation, I'd taken it from the back of the sanctuary. And this was a moment when both the screens, we had scaffolding up on both sides, co totally covering the walls. And the screens, the covers were taken, were off, but the old screens hadn't been there. They were, hadn't been taken down. They were still there. And it was totally a work in progress. It was a hot mess in the sanctuary, I'm gonna just tell you. It truly was. And it truly changed the face of the experience of being in here as well. But what was also at the moment, because that first year was when we were recording all the services, you remember that? I do. That, and the pulpit was canted out, and we had a camera right here, and lights and lights over here, because the entirety of the experience of the church had gone from this that we are gathered in into this, into this and what we could see from each other on screen. So we have gone from that, that moment, into this. Into this we are gathered in person, into this where we are also on screens in all the ways that we gather. So we are in this moment of figuring it all. It doesn't it doesn't just change in an instant. The world shut down in an instant, but it doesn't come back in the same moment. So we are, in fact, in this radical introduction of wondering and wandering and how shall we be together and introducing and reintroducing ourselves. And so in this moment, in the spirit of this, the theme of vulnerability, in this moment of recognizing where we are in this year, I want to offer an invitation and I want to offer an extension. I've even had some of the questions, um, some questions I've had come to me recently. You know, does the minister visit? Yes. I didn't used to because, you know, masking. But now, yes. And I want to invite all of us to be visiting with each other. But by all means, if there is somebody who you think 
I need to reach out to? I want to know because we are in this moment of doing this and creating this together. And I can't know all the things. You can't know all the things. This, we need to be introducing ourselves to each other yet again and again. And I certainly want to recognize and thank everybody who's brought, uh, you know, took up the spirit of the Bring Your Friend to Church Sunday this morning. And thank you for being here and bringing the people that you know and love into the space as well. This is what we do again and again. It's the doing and the being together. Let me close with some words from the Reverend Gretchen Haley. Uh, she wrote them yesterday. They were inspired by Spring Forward, but I think they speak to a lot in this moment. Count up the hours, the minutes, the moments. Call them all gifts and then keep calling until the praise comes like breath and all we have left is gratitude. Time is too quick to give away without noticing. We need an accounting of abundance, a space for celebration, that we have survived and keep surviving, that we are for more than ourselves, that we are in the struggle and we get to sing. We get to sing. Bring your sleepy eyes and your weary heart, your worried mind and your racing thoughts, but don't forget the joy. Don't forget the joy borrowed or brought or caught in your chest, ready to tumble at every word that comes from your tongue. That thirst for beauty and life found in community, held in courage that is more than your own. Come, let us worship. Come, let us gather. Come, let us invite each other in and take that chance yet again. That most radical thing we can do is connect one to another that starts conversation toward a vision for change. Let us go forth in continuing that invitation again and again. Let us go forth. Amen.